Welcome to the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast with your hosts, John Fish and Ryan Venancio. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in episode 19 of the In The Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Fish, joined as always by Ryan Venancio. Ryan, what's up? What's going on, Fish? I could not be more excited to talk closers. Yeah, same here. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's always the hot button when the when the ADP comes out. It's it's always the first thing people start commenting on. Oh, the closers are going too high. They're going too high. But and in all honesty, and I'll we'll, you know I'll kind of explain my thoughts on the on the, the closers going high and why they should essentially go high and draft champions because that's all that's being drafted in the early season now gladiators obviously threw a major wrinkle in because they went even higher but um the, you know the closers generally always go higher in draft champions because it's a 50 round draft and hold there's no pickups so you know in fab leagues obviously there's so many closers that lose their job or so many uh jobs that are just kind of up for grabs uh late in you know, in middle parts of the season, late parts of the season. But in draft champions, the draft's already done. So we don't know who's going to take over. You know, we don't know who's going to lose their job. So that's why getting a safety net, getting the one of those top-end closers, in my opinion, is so important in draft champions. How do you uh, generally attack uh, closers in draft champions? Um, well, you definitely need one up top, right? Uh, I think you need one of the guys that you know – for a fact, uh, is going to get saves. Um, that's just you know how I operate, and I generally wait pretty long to grab my second, third, fourth guys. Um, I, I speculate and um, you know try to look at a, uh, I guess market inefficiencies, guys who I think are going to be closers that aren't treated as such uh, in drafts, and that's really really how I go. One really early, and then. I just attack um, late in the draft. Yeah, to me, that's the best way to go about it because you don't want to spend too much draft capital on two closers, um, usually. Now, standalone leagues or super, you know, higher dollar, $1,000 entries, $2,500 DCs, those I I typically do um, because I'm mostly trying to compete in my league, whereas the 150 DCs, uh, it's kind of like my, uh, you know, I'm my sole purpose essentially is trying to win the overall. So getting one early is always my plan. And then uh, just like you said, like waiting and then taking a whole bunch of spec guys at the end. And at the end of the episode tonight, we'll kind of go over all of these spec guys that, um, that, that I'm seeing and that you're seeing that are good choices to, you know, try to attack that if you're going to go that route. But uh Let's uh let's dive right in right to the first guy off the board Edwin Diaz we saw you know an insane insane season last year especially with the K rate um and he resigned with the Mets so you know he's it's pretty much his job I do have just a slight concern because they did at the end of the season kind of you know use him in the eighth inning and stuff like that so. Um, yeah, so he's going off the board at pick 21, min of 13, max of 29. 
uh, I don't have any shares yet. I'm not against it. I just actually view Class A just a little bit better because I do know that Class A is going to get all of the ninth inning opportunities. Um, you know, outside of like a you know third game in a row or something like that. But uh, where are you at with Edwin Diaz? I'm surprised uh, his save opportunities were so light last year. Um, not that 35 is like uh, a small amount, but it's just compared to like someone like like Classe had 11 more save opportunities. Um, is that something that carries over year to year? I'm not really sure. I just thought it was interesting. But Diaz had one of the best uh, seasons of closers ever had, basically. He had a .9 FIP. I don't know how many times I've ever seen a FIP below one. Um, so it's just stupid how good he is. But uh, I'm sort of in the uh, same camp as you. I think he is very, very good. And if someone takes him in the second round, I don't think that's a bad pick. It's just not something I'm going to do. Um, I'm looking for monster bats there. And I'm just going to take um, you know, one of the guys that falls in the third, fourth, or fifth round instead. Again, not that it's a bad pick at all. He's a monster. It's just um, not really what I'm looking for in the second round. Yeah, see, I'm uh, you know I'm kind of the opposite. I do I'm not a big fan of a lot of the players in the second round, especially the back half of the second round. So I do like locking in a top closer because you know years past my draft strategy was always aces and bases. I kind of feel like you don't need to really get an ace in the first couple of rounds because it's just so deep, especially in round six through ten for starting pitching. So my, kind of my strategy is I do want to get guys in the first two, three rounds at steel bases, but then I'm also locking in a top end closer. And the guy that I've got, you know, the most of is, is class a um, to me, he's like one of, I mean, Edwin Diaz actually is in this boat too, but to me, there, there's only six closers that I feel like can hit 40 saves. And I think that class a is the odds on best to lead the league in saves. Um, and he's just, so so nasty i mean the strikeouts aren't quite as much as as diaz um you know i think that's pretty much set in stone but i mean class a just doesn't um he's just so rock solid he got the highest share of a team saves last year with 42 saves he had a 0.73 whip 136 era basically he's if i'm going for a second round using the closer second round pick on the closer I want to be as safe as possible. To me, Class A is the safest pick on the entire board, all positions, and that's why I've been um, I've been locking in a lot of Class A. What do you think about Class A? Yeah, he's basically um, modern day Mariano Rivera, and um, you know people might think that's uh, ridiculous to say, but he he's just throws cutters, <laughs> hundred and two mile an hour cutters. Uh, so it's basically Mariano that throws 102. Um, same thing as Diaz, though. Uh, I might be more inclined. I don't know. Uh, I'm sort of with you. Uh, I think I like Classe a little bit more, but I don't know. I haven't been able to pull the trigger on a on a closer in the second round yet. Um, maybe I do it. I'm doing a few more DCs, so maybe I do it once just to see how I like the build. Um, but it's just not something I have... Uh, not able to pull the trigger on yet. Again, I don't think it's a bad pick when someone does it. I just, um, you know, I'm looking for 
uh, something else in the second round there. Yeah, if you look at the, I mean, if you look at a Savant page, it's all red. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> uh, another thing that I really, really like about Class A, and we're not, I don't think we need to spend too much time because these guys are both elite, but Class A 1.2 walks per nine, like sign me up all day for that. Um, so that's, um, yeah, I've, I've been I've been taking a lot of Class A. Uh, third off the board, Josh Hader. He's going to pick 80, uh, ADP of 33. Uh, men of 24, max of 43. You know, uh, we saw Hader have a kind of a little bit of a rough patch, um, you know, towards the end of his Brewers tenure. And then, um, you know, right uh, at the beginning of the, um, you know, Padres tenure. So other than that, he was completely lights out. But, you know, final stats do show 522 ERA, 128 whip. Um Personally, I'm not really concerned about it. I think he's a, a fantastic pick. Um, you know, he had a he had a situation where he was he and his wife were having a kid, and there was some uh, I think there was some complications. And then between that and then the you know packing up and moving to San Diego, you know, I'm sure there was just a lot of stress involved with all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm just kind of chalking it up as just kind of a an unlucky situation. Um, I mean, his Babbitt against him was 368, which is I mean, by far the most of his career, the highest before that was 237. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, what are you thinking about classic? Or I'm sorry, uh, about Hater. The case for Niners Nine there, too. Swing, strike, everything, fastball, everything was there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was really just the command. Um, as the season went on, his command just went in the shitter. Um, uh, on Eno's metrics, he had a 97 command plus on May 16th. And on the end of the season, he had a 91 command plus. Um, and assuming, because it was actually 95 at the All-Star break, which is, like, fine. If someone's 95, 97 for a reliever, that's, like, fine. But once you get to the 90, 91, 80, 88, um, which I'm sure he was around to go from 95 to 91, it had to have been even lower than 91, obviously. Um is it something uh, he can just regain? Yeah, probably because, um, you know, he's done it for so long. But I am concerned um, just a tiny bit because um, for his command to go in and out like that, um, it's the nature of relievers, right? Like it happened with Edwin Diaz that one year. He just had the one awful season and bounced back the next year. Um, and command is not really super sticky year to year for relievers because they throw such a small sample of innings, like 50 innings, 60 innings a season. But I am a, a tiny bit surprised that he's going so early because of the season he had. Um, and again, his K-minus walk is still elite. His stuff is still elite. But the command was just so awful, and he gave up so many home runs. And it's not like that's never happened before. In 2019, he had 1.8 homers per nine. Um, so it's not like this hasn't happened before. Obviously he had a 260 RA, not a five, uh, like he did last year, but I did think there would be a bit more of a discount on Hader. Um, I'm fine taking him because he is going to get all of the save opportunities in San Diego. That's what they traded him for to have an ace in the ninth inning. But, um, I don't know. I just, I, I thought he would have, I don't know if I'm wrong. I don't know if I'm crazy for thinking that. I thought 
he would be a little bit more of a discount uh, this season. Yeah, he finished the season strong. Uh, you know, uh, his last, uh, you know, essentially his last little over a month, uh, 11 in the third innings, 14 strikeouts, 0.79 ERA, 0.62 whip, seven saves. And he's now, you know, got the whole offseason to get acclimated to San Diego. Uh, San Diego is going to be an amazing team and it's a pitcher's park. So I think there's, um, you know, there's a lot going on for him. I think that he can maybe not get back to the 2021 levels because those numbers were absurd, but um, you know, I think somewhere in the mid twos with, you know, around a one whip is, you know, easily, easily doable for him. And I do think he's uh, another guy that has a shot at 40 saves. Uh, You got anything else to add uh, hater before we move on? No, no, I mean, again, sort of same deal. Um, I haven't been able to pick him yet, but like I said, the stuff is still beyond elite, and he's a candidate for 40 saves, so I understand why he's going so early. Again, I just thought he'd be going a little bit more of a discount, but it's definitely not a bad pick. He's still going to be very good, in my opinion. Yeah, I actually don't have any shares yet of Hater. Um, not because I'm fading him either. It's just, you know, I'm, like I said, I've been getting a lot of Class A and then if I'm, you know, if I don't get class A, a lot of times I'm in that early third round. I've been going uh, Marcus Semyon or like an ace with uh, somebody like Aaron Nola. So, yeah, um, going off yeah. the board fourth, uh, Jordan Romano, uh, ADP of forty-five. So now we're at the you know the back end of the third round. Uh, min pick of twenty-six, max of fifty-six. What are your thoughts about Jordan Romano? Uh, another guy I just haven't been able to, you know, get yet. Uh, I have, I don't have any shares of the top four closers. Um, but Romano had 42 save opportunities last year and he has elite stuff. So it's kind of the same cat same thing as the last three guys. Um, he deserves to go this early. I just haven't had a chance to draft them. I'm just looking at, uh, different things at, at this point of the draft. But again, if you're going to go closer early, all four of these guys are safe, in my opinion, for saves and are all very good. So I don't think um, I don't think you go wrong with any of them. Yeah, it's same thought process here for me with Romano. Uh, Toronto is going to be a great team. I think he's going to get a ton of save opportunities again. You know, solid ratios. He, he should be the should be the guy at the back end. There's really not much more I can add to that. Um, I do have, I think, one or two shares. I think there are gladiator shares, though. Um, I don't think I have any DC shares that I know of that I, that I can recall, anyways. But yeah, I'm happy with any one of these four guys as as my first closer off the board. And um, yeah, that's. Uh, that's kind of that's where I'm at. Like those, those that's my safe zone right there. Um, next guy, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in. I think this might be somebody that you might be interested in, but we'll uh, we'll see. Devin Williams, ADP of 47, he's going a couple picks after Romano. Min of 32, max of 63. Um, what are your thoughts about Devin Williams? So I'm actually not interested in Devin Williams um, because I like uh, some of the closers going after him just as much and this is generally like so the romano williams presley iglesias sort of tier i'm looking to take the last one um if 
Williams is there and Presley and Iglesias are on the board, I will never take Williams. So I will likely have zero Devin Williams. Um, I'm a bit concerned uh, with the saves that he's going to get, even though I still think he gets a decent amount. Um, they really like using him in a fireman role. Um, and while he did get the majority of the saves down the stretch, I don't believe he got um, he had all of them. Um, sorry, I'm trying to look through real quick. And uh, yeah, I mean, he had um, he had a ton of saves in September. Um, and went like multi innings a couple times. It's I don't know. I don't know if you agree, but I think um, I don't think he's going to be a 35-40 save guy. Uh, just because of how they like to use him. I don't know. You're the Brewers fan. What are your What are your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree. I don't think he's a candidate for 40 saves. Um, I do have two guys going later. One of them, you already mentioned, Rossell Iglesias. I would much rather have Rossell Iglesias uh, because I do think he gets pretty much all the saves with Atlanta. Um, you know, you look at Devin Williams, obviously elite, elite stuff and the strikeouts 14.2 k per nine the swinging straight sky high um i do have a little bit of concern with the walks 4.5 per nine is not great but when you strike out that many guys it's not as big of a concern but uh yeah no i agree i think that he they, they're going to use him a lot in the eighth inning i mean it only takes like five six times where you come in as in the fireman role and now all of a sudden you're going from you know 35 says to 30 or 30 to 25 and it just it doesn't quite get you to the elite save total um, that you're going to that, that essentially that the price that you're paying here, like early fourth round, I need like a stone cold lock 30 saves. And I don't know if he can get that. He obviously he can, if they use him as the strict closer, but I just don't know how the Brewers are going to use him. Also, if the Brewers are out of it, I could see him as a trade candidate. Um, why wouldn't you, you know, uh, the, the relief, pitching market has we've seen it already has gotten so much i mean elite high contracts to you know tiasker hernandez getting traded for you know swanson like it's just it's crazy like the the demand for these high-end relievers so if the brewers are out of it at all and williams is cruising and doing his thing uh, i could easily see brewers trading him I do think he has three years left of control, though. So I don't know if they would trade him next year because that's a lot um, to have someone as good as Williams. Um, I could see them doing it like, uh, you know, like Hader. Hader's a free agent after the season. So that's basically why they traded him. Uh, you know, they got some prospects for one year of Josh Hader. Um, so Williams had nine saves in the last two months. That's that's really when Hater got dealt. Obviously, you can't just like times that by three. Always oh, gonna get twenty seven saves next year. No, that's not how that works. But um, I don't know. I am not con again. I think Williams is gonna save. I don't know. Let's say between twenty and thirty. Uh, it's his saves are so hard to predict. You can't really like you're not gonna nail it with every pitcher. But I'm much more confident in Ryan Presley and Rysel Iglesias getting. The majority of their team saves than Devin Williams, and that's just why I wouldn't be able to draft him uh, with those two still on the board. 
Yeah, I completely agree, 100%. Going back to the Brewers not trading them, they just traded Josh Hader when they had a four-game lead in the division and still a full another year of control of Hader. And (laughs) so I'm not putting anything past the Brewers. Well, no, no, but if Hader had three years of control left, they wouldn't trade him. They traded him because he only had one year left is what what my point was. Right, but they could have just traded him in the offseason or at the next deadline, like, they had a four-game lead in the division, and basically the team fell apart after that, obviously, because you take a major piece out of your bullpen like that, shifts everything around, and then they're losing games at the end. It's like, <laughs> so if they're going to do, if they're going to trade Hader, even though he had only one year left, uh, you know, he wasn't a free agent at the end of the last season, that would have made a little bit more sense, even though it still wouldn't have made sense to me because they had a four-game lead in the division. But, uh, yeah, obviously that that trade uh, – kind of drove me nuts um, <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> yeah so i mean i if you can get a haul for williams like and you're out of it that's the key if you're out of it go for it but if you're four game lead in the division you trade them i might go insane again so um anyways yeah i do agree with you the next two guys ryan presley Russell iglesias let's start with presley um you know the, the only concerns i have with presley is he seems to miss some time every now and then um, but he still got to a save total, 33 saves, and the, the stuff is amazing. Uh, two, 298 ERA, 0.89 whip, 33 saves. That's uh, Houston. I mean, it's it's tough to find a better team to be a closer on. They're obviously going to win a ton of games. Um, so, yeah, I do have uh, a few shares of Presley already as well. How about you? Yeah, and the current DC I'm drafting, Presley was um... – was my first closer taken, and I just am going to draft the closer on the best team in baseball as often as I can, especially because they literally only use him as a closer um, because the rest of their bullpen is so good. Like they have Brian Abreu and Ryan Stanek and Hector Neris and Rafael Montero. They don't need Presley to be a fireman because they have five other firemen. So mm-hmm. Presley's like the vet. That's just pitching the ninth inning. Ninth inning's the hardest inning to pitch. And he's going to go out there every ninth inning and dominate. Um, obviously, it's a tad bit concerning that he went on the DL twice last year for right knee inflammation and neck spasms. Um, he didn't miss that much time. Obviously, he still had 33 saves and um, 37 save opportunities and only uh, 50 appearances is pretty ridiculous. And like you said, the stuff is elite. The Cato walk is elite. He doesn't give up home runs. Uh, I just think like this is the part of the draft where I'm attacking reliever. Like I said, Presley, Iglesias, Kenley Jansen. Like I'm going to have a ton of those three guys because I think they're 30 to 40 save guys and I'm not paying a top three round pick for them. Yeah, I no, I definitely agree um, with Presley and we touched on twice already. Rossell Iglesias. Uh, yeah, this is a guy that I was off initially um, just because Kenley was still a free agent. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I wasn't sure if we were going to have the same situation we had last year where, um, you know, Will Smith was supposed to be the closer and then they signed Kenley and then that pick just became trash. But uh, Rossell Iglesias now is pretty much locked into the closer role. So I'm back on board. I've got a bunch of shares. I made uh, made up for the early early fade uh, drafts. 
Um, but he's going ADP 54, min of 42, max of 69. The, so the one little concern I have um, about not necessarily the players, but where they're going. If I have, if let's say I'm drafting from the one spot, okay, at that two three turn, if I don't take a closer, there's no guarantee I'm getting Iglesias or Presley back at the end of the fourth. Um, okay. So that's uh, you know just one slight little concern. But then I would pivot obviously to um, somebody you already mentioned as well, Kenley Jansen. But uh, we'll get to him in a second. Rossell Iglesias. So you're obviously on board with Rossell Iglesias as well. Yeah, for sure. It's a bit concerning that um his stuff went down, his stuff number went down as the season went on. And um his velo was down more than a mile per hour. Um it usually sits uh last two seasons it's set ninety six. Last year it was ninety five. Um but his fastball is so good. And he has two insane secondaries that it's really not anything of an issue. It's just more of like, you know, just noticing how he went down a mile per hour in Velo. And um, big thing to look at, like we already talked about with Hader. Josh Hader obviously isn't going to have anywhere close to a 5 ERA next season. Um, just like Bryce Iglesias isn't going to have a 4 ERA next season. Um, you know, maybe some people do look at ERA for relievers. It's just that... Um, it's such a small sample. There's really no point in getting caught up in it. Um, and when Iglesias went over to the Braves, he threw 26 innings and had a .3 ERA. He gave up one run in 26 innings. So if you look at that four ERA and it detracts you at all, just know that he is still uh, very, very good. And that, that number doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, three st straight seasons of a sub one whip as well. So, and you know, he's just one year removed from 2021 when he had 103 strikeouts in 70 innings. So, yeah, the the K rate is still elite. The walks are are fantastic. Swing strikes great. Um, there's a lot to like about Rossell Iglesias. It's really, really good team as well. So, they should get a ton of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, um, Jan Jansen just had what 45 save opportunities last year. And now Iglesias is getting all of those. Uh, for Jansen had 48 save opportunities last year. It's almost 50. Uh, yep. And, you know, Iglesias is going to eat all those up. Yep. So Iglesias is also one of the six guys that I do think can get the 40 saves. Um, Devin Williams, I don't think so. We, got, we mentioned why. Presley, I just think that there's probably going to be a couple more IL stints in there. But um, So I don't think he can quite get to 40. But uh, Iglesias, I definitely do. Um, next two guys are fades for me. Um, Bautista, ADP of 60, min of 45, max of 81. Pretty big discrepancy there. Um, you know, over the last month, it's uh 36 picks, so you know, two and a half rounds essentially between the min and max. Um, my concern with Bautista is we much how I draft basically every position at this. Um, in the early rounds is there's just, there hasn't been a long enough track record. So it's essentially why he's a fade for me. I also, have, I have concerns that for the same reason they traded, um, you know, obviously the, the contracts are a little bit different, but they traded Jorge Lopez at the deadline. Uh, you know, I don't, if they're out of it, I don't see, you know, maybe why they wouldn't trade Bautista at the deadline as well. Where are you at with Felix Bautista? Yeah, he is. Um, he is ridiculously, ridiculously good. Um, the stuff is like 
almost tops in all of baseball. Um, he throws what I call the splitter from hell. Um, this guy's like so tall, so like physically imposing and throwing a hundred miles an hour. And then he just throws the splitter that goes like from your chest to your knees. And you're just like, you're watching it. Like how the hell does anybody hit that? Um, so maybe I'm biased because I watched him so much in the second half that I'm like, I don't need a track record. He's just so stupidly good. I'm just going to draft him. And he basically got the closer role in August and he had 15 saves the last two months of the season. So like, that's enough for me. Like he is their closer. Um, I don't love that he's going before Kenley Jansen because Kenley Jansen has the track record and has done it for so long and is probably a 30, 40 save guy as well. But um, I'll definitely have some shares of Felix Bautista because he um, has the potential to um, be up there as a second, third round pick next season because um, this, the, the strikeouts are going to be ridiculous and this stuff is just unbelievable. Um, I will say, though, the one um, one red flag I do have with him, and this goes back to track record, is that the command, like I said before, the command and relievers goes in and out all of the time. But Bautista was a guy that never had any type of command. And whatever the Orioles did with him last year, he was able to find enough command to be passable. Um, and with his stuff, that's really all you need, just passable. Just throw enough strikes. Um, so I do worry a bit that, you know, what if the command goes sideways, he can't throw strikes and now he's not the closer anymore. Um, I do think his stuff is so good that it should be able to counteract that, but um, it's going to be tough for me to draft him over Kenley Jansen, just because again, Jansen's done it for so long, has such a long track record. Um, as much as I like Bautista, I can't, I can't draft him over him. Presley, Iglesias, Jansen, all those guys. I know he's going after them, but still, like, let's just say in a draft, um, Bautista, Iglesias, and Jansen were all on the board. Bautista would be last for me in that in that order. Yeah, so uh, you know the walks walk per nine was three point one five, which was actually the best at any stop in his career um, in twenty twenty one at AAA. It was four point four eight in eighteen innings. Um, 7.56 in 13 innings, double A and at high A six. Um, so, you know, I don't, the walks obviously are concerning. Obviously. Yeah. He's got fantastic stuff. Um, 242 Babbitt last year, you know, pretty low. Um, I don't know how good Baltimore is going to be. That's kind of another reason I'm kind of off of them. Um, the 65 and two thirds innings he threw last year were the most in any, any, season um in 2021 he was at 46 and two-thirds 2019 he was at 36 and two-thirds and then uh rookie season 27 innings um yeah it's again you you mentioned it i would take kenley over him hands down no question about it so that's uh that's another reason why i'm kind of fading bautista um but i will say though if like jansen's off the board if that's possible, I know Patisa is going f- almost a round earlier, so that probably wouldn't happen too often. But if it if it were to happen, I would definitely be comfortable taking Bautista over the rest of the guys there. Yeah, I could get behind that too. Um, 
because next off the board is a, another guy that I'm fading, Ryan Helsley. Um, obviously, he's got insane, insane stuff. I just think that uh, it's just another situation where I don't think he gets all the save opportunities. They used him a lot in the, you know, eighth innings. They got Gallego still there, who's had back-to-back seasons, I think, of 14 saves. Um yeah, Helsley, he added he added some you know some some speed to that fastball. So his numbers obviously reflected that 1.25 ERA 0.74 whip. Um, I guess where are you at with Helsley? It's really weird because uh Helsley's obviously a monster. Um the Velo went up, went way up last year, and he's just it was a full breakout. Um it's so weird though that he so it was so funny. Everyone was fading Giovanni Gallegos, right? That's why he was going so late. But Gallegos was the closer the first two months of the season. He had eight sa- he had four saves in April, four saves in May. Now, it's not a ton, but still, it's almost a 30-save pace. So people were wrong in fading Gallegos at first. And then they just, they just stopped closing. I think Gallegos had five saves from June to the end of the year, like five or six or something. And then uh, Helsley gets the job. Um. And had a ton of saves down the stretch. Uh, in September alone, he had one, two, three, four, five, six straight appearances with a save. So he had seven saves in September. But then in the playoffs, they were using him more as like, um, not a fireman, but he would like come in to face the, the middle of the order, sort of what the, the Phillies did with uh, Strantini Domingos. He would like get some saves, but then face the middle of the order some games. Um, it's just really hard to draft someone like that so early. Um, but my biggest issue is I can't, you can't really put a number on it, right? Like Helsley had 19 saves last year. Does he get 25? Does he get 29? Does he get 19 again? Like, I, I, I don't know. So I think that's why I'm fading him, really. It's just because I, I just don't know what he's going to get. And you're paying such a high price for him. I don't really want to pay for an unknown uh, in a category that's so important when you're drafting uh, someone this early. Yeah. If my eyes are uh, seeing this right, he had 18 appearances over an inning. Um, That's fine. If it's, he's shutting down the eighth inning and then closing the ninth, but at the same time, you know, if he's going two innings, he's probably going to be down for the next day or two. And that could be missed save opportunities. And that's, yeah, that's kind of why I, I think he's like max of 25 saves and I could certainly be wrong in this, but I think he's more of like a 20 save guy. And I, I just, again, it's such a premium pick. I need like almost like assurance. Like he's going to be a, a, pretty much a lock for 30 saves. And I just don't think he can get there uh, with the way they use him. But, you know, um, I guess we're not always going to be right on everybody. So we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. It's not that I don't think he can get to 30. I just don't know. It's not that like if he got 30, I'm not going to be like shocked. I just don't, I don't know. And I also, again, with the recurring theme, like why is he going above Kenley Jansen? It makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't really know. Like, I, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what the thought process behind that is. Um, Kenley Jansen has, and again, just moving over to Kenley Jansen, kind of mm-hmm. said moment on, on Elsley, but Kenley Jansen has done this for so long. I don't know. Is it because people have wanted to like 
and just like Kenley Jansen being a thing forever. I know, like Dodger. I know it's fantasy baseball, and not real. Like people that are just real baseball fans aren't, you know, drafting. But um, people have wanted to like kill Kenley so many times, and he's just always going to be the closer. And uh, he had forty saves last year. He's going to a team that, you know, while they're not nearly as good as the Braves, they're still a decent team. Um, and he's going to get all of the save opportunities. Boston had a real issue last year with closing out games, uh, whether it was Barnes, who was god-awful. Um, I believe they gave some to Hauk, who wasn't terrible but couldn't stay healthy, Schreiber, all these different guys. Um, I'd, I'd imagine they acquired Jansen to have a set ninth-inning guy. I mean, that, 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 that would be uh, what your thoughts are too, no? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. This is a guy that's not going to be coming in in the eighth inning. He's not going to be coming in the seventh inning. He's going to get the ball in the ninth inning every time he goes out there. And if you look at his numbers, what he did in 2022 compared to 2021, when everybody thought he was maybe kind of starting to fall off a little bit, he improved his walk per nine, which that was kind of the, the issue in 2021, 4.7 in 2021. In 2022, 3.09. So a huge improvement there. Um you know, the, the home runs kind of became a little bit of an issue this past season, 1.13 per nine. But, you know, the K rate is still elite um, over 11, again, almost 12, 11.95. Um, you know, the fastball is is right there, uh, 93.7. Um, yeah, there's just, uh, <laughs> I, I don't get why he continues to be going later in drafts. And I'll just continue to take all the shares like I did last year when he was also going a little bit later this guy is the closer this is the sixth guy that i think has a shot at 40 saves uh to go with edwin diaz classe hater romano and iglesias and um i don't see any signs of um you know a complete collapse here i guess and the, the one issue i do have with this upcoming season with kenley is the pitch clock and because he takes so long to, to deliver the ball but a veteran like him He's got the whole off season to figure it out, to work on it. And um, yeah, I don't have any issues with him and I already have a ton of shares to back that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, a bit of a concern more than the pitch clock would be that um, his whiff rate took a, a, a pretty big hit last year. Uh, the zone contact was the worst of his career um, and much worse than the year prior. Um, but his cutter is so fucking good that like I don't really care how many strikeouts he gets. <laughs> As fit, he throws his cutter 65% of the time, and batters hit 170 off his cutter last year. 2021, threw his cutter 60% of the time, batters hit, you guessed it, 170 off it last year of, of 20, in 2021. It's just such an elite pitch. And again, he throws it 60% of the time. Uh, he's been doing – he's been closing games – since 2012, he's been uh, been an elite closer. So, yeah, he's not as good as he used to be, but he's still very, very good. Yeah, for those that are into X stats, his XBA last year was 169. Uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, terrific, obviously. Um, his K percent last year is 32.7. That's the highest it's been since 2017. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with, with Kenley, obviously. Um, next off the board, Camilo Duvall, another guy that I really like a lot. 
uh, ADP of 80, min of 63, max of 112. Um, you want to go ahead and give us your thoughts on Camila Duvall? Yeah, so he's actually um, he's he's very good. Um, he throws stupidly hard. Um, my little concern is that Taylor Rogers might take away some saves from him. Um, I think they're going to mix and match with like righties and lefties. Taylor Rogers is really really good against lefties, so I think like if two out of three lefties are coming up. Uh, let's let's just say, um, you know, in the eighth inning, there's three straight righties, and then after that, there's like lefty, righty, lefty. I think Doval would pitch the eighth, and Rogers would pitch the ninth. Uh, Doval's really bad against lefties, and Rogers is really good against lefties. So I think the Giants might do a bit of a mix and match there. Um, and I th- I'd assume that's why they acquired him. Uh, Doval's another one of those guys. His command is uh, very bad. Um, so it's a bit of a concern, but um, he, uh, like, you watch him pitch sometimes and he throws like a 103 mile an hour sinker, and you're just like, how does anyone hit this guy? Like, it, it's insane that some of the stuff that these relievers have. It really is insane. Um, so back to fantasy, like he had 27 saves last year. Do I expect him to get 27 again? I don't know because the giants didn't really have anybody to take saves from him last year. Um, and now Rogers, like I said, I, I believe he's going to take away some saves against left-handed batters. So I don't really know how many saves he's going to get. Uh, I don't think he's going to be an Iglesias, a Presley, a, a Jansen, even a Bautista, who got all of the Orioles saves down the stretch last year. I don't think he's going to be like one of those guys and be like um, only used and save opportunities. Um, what are your thoughts on Doval? Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. Um, it's a little concerning with Rodgers there now. Um, I do think Duvall's going to get the majority of the saves, but again, it's kind of like going back to what I was saying, like, if you miss out on, you know, an extra five to six save opportunities and it just, it takes you from 30 to 25 saves. I think he comes in probably somewhere around 25 saves, 23 to 25, somewhere in there. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely liked him a lot more. I still do kind of like him just cause I do like the, the stuff as you were saying, the walk, the walks are definitely concerning. I hate, especially closers that, <laughs> that walk guys, um, especially I'm one of the guys I'm one of the weirdos that likes to watch my closer if I see they're in the lead I'll make sure I get the game on and I, I watch it and I just want to be in pain I guess but uh yeah that's um that's somebody that I did have a lot of interest in I still do have some but I'm not you know going overboard with it the next guy clear fade for me it's not even close uh David Bednar ADP of 101 min of 81 max of 120 um I just don't um, have any interest here he's gonna I, he, he's another one who i don't think he's gonna get all the save opportunities and on a team like pittsburgh you need all of the save opportunities so um that that's it really i mean i love all the stuff i think I, I think he's a fantastic pitcher that's that's basically it we're drafting closers for saves and i think he maybe comes in around 15 saves what do you think about bednar um 
Well, I would definitely project him for more than 15. That's very, very light. Um, he had 17 in the four months he was healthy before he won in the IL. Um, so that's roughly eight a month. So he was on pace for 24, 25 saves last year. Um, I don't hate the price, and he is like really, really, really good. Um, I would, I would fade the notion that I believe I saw it earlier in the offseason that like they're not going to use him as the closer, um, which is just moronic. They don't have anyone even remotely decent. Um, and the ninth inning is the hard again the hardest inning to pitch. Um, like Robert Stevenson is a complete project. Will Crow isn't good, and Dwayne Underwood, like this bullpen is atrocious. David Bednar's their closer, in my opinion. Um, I do think he's going to get all their saves. Um, what would concern me is that there were so many talks about him being traded last year, and it just didn't happen. It might not have happened because of uh, the injury. And he has a lot of years left. And it would make sense for the team like Pittsburgh, who is not even remotely close to winning, to trade a guy like Bednar because they'd get a lot from a really good reliever that has three years of control left. Um, so that would be the one reason why I wouldn't trade Bednar because I think it's almost a lock that he gets dealt at the deadline. Yeah, I definitely – that's another concern. Um, he also dealt with back issues for a lot of last year. And that's just uh, – I mean, usually those things don't go away. So – um, I would, uh, again, he's obviously a fade for me. I would, I'm totally willing on taking a shot on Robert Stevenson real late. Um, we finally got him out of Colorado. So I think that's going to help uh, his cause quite a bit. You know, he used to be a really good reliever for Cincinnati. Um, you know, in 2019, 64 and two thirds, 81 strikeouts, uh, 104 whip. So, uh, I mean, is he is obviously Robin Stevenson gonna steal it right away, and he's gonna be great? No, not that's not what I'm saying. But um, Bednar just has way too many red flags, and um, I just I just don't have any any interest in in him. Yeah, um, to to talk about Stevenson, just because I guess we can talk about the Pittsburgh bullpen situation for a bit. Um, Stevenson is actually it's sort of intriguing. Uh, his slider is a really really elite pitch. Um, and like you said, he's out of Colorado now. Uh, on Eno Sheet, he's got uh, not great command for uh, – not great stuff for a closer. But uh, the command is good and the pitching plus is very good. I think the model just really likes the, the slider, I would assume. Um, so is it possible he's the closer when Bednar leaves? I think he would be the leading candidate because they literally they don't have – I haven't done a deep dive into their minor league guys, but they don't have anyone on the major league roster that is a closer. So I, I would say, yeah, Stevenson is uh, the guy if you're going to spec. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next guy, I, I would actually much rather the next guy than Bednar. Uh, Clay Holmes, I don't see really how he's not the Yankees closer this year. Um, actually kind of surprised to see him going down here where he's going. Uh, ADP 101 right next to Bednar. Uh, man of 82, max of 117. Do you do you know why Clay Holmes is going down here? Have, have you? Um, I mean, usually the Yankees close. If there's a Yankees closer, you gotta think he's going much higher with you know how good the team is. Yeah, I'm assuming it's just the 
the second half, he had a 1-3-1 ERA in the first half and a 4-8-5 ERA in the second half. Um, he just totally, totally lost his command. He had a 27% K in the first half, 5% walk in the first half, and a 21% K, 11% walk in the second half. So his walk rate more than doubled. Um, and it showed and uh, reflected in the command metrics, uh, again, Eno sheet that I keep referring to. He had a 101 command score on May 16th, which is excellent for a closer. Uh, then it was down to 98, the all-star break, and then down to 94 by the end of the season, which means his command was probably sitting in the 90s in the second half of the season. So very, very, very poor. Um, he is similar to Felix Bautista in that he was sort of a reclamation project that just finally got enough command to be passable. Um, if you look at his numbers in Pittsburgh, his walks per nine are uh, horrifying. It's like nightmare fuel. He almost had more walks than strikeouts. His, well, he did have four walks, more walks than strikeouts his rookie season. Um, but in 2019, his second year, he had seven walks per nine. Um, so I'd expect a guy like that for his command to go sort of up and down. But like you alluded to earlier, he's got to be the closer to at least start the year. Mm-hmm. They don't really have anyone, uh, and we kind of we sort of touched on it on our, our pod with Jason and uh, Johnny L. They uh, like to use Loizaga in a in a multi inning role. Tommy Canely, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said could close, but now I'm not so sure. Wandy Peralta definitely isn't a closer, and then Mar- guys like Marinaccio and Albert Abreu have no command whatsoever. They're just not going to be closers. Uh, I don't know. Can Lou Trevino be the Yankees closer? I really don't. I don't see it. So I, I would think Clay Holmes gets the majority of the ninth innings. I do think it may be a mix and match type deal because they like using Holmes as a fireman. Um, Cause he, he wasn't the closer to start the year last year. Obviously it was Chapman. Um, and then he lost the job once he's, once he could not find the zone, they obviously couldn't put him in the close. So I'm fine with the price, I think. And I, I drafted him in a few gladiators. But it would really depend who my first closer was. And if Holmes felt like if I had Presley or Iglesias or Jansen and Holmes fell a little bit past ADP, I'd grab him as like a second closer. But if you like missed out on everyone and you're waiting on saves... I mean, I guess you're screwed anyway if you're waiting on saves at this point. But he would be a tough guy for me to draft as my first closer. Like him him and Bednar um, might not be horrible second guys, but I would not be able to draft him as my first closer. Yeah, after the All-Star break, he you know, he kind of hit a little bit of a rough patch. Um, but then he went on the IL with a back injury. Um, and then when he returned, he just wasn't, you know, his usual first half self. Um, and then he did end up going um, on the aisle again with a shoulder strain. So, um, yeah, I just I think that, like you said, I think he's the closer to start the year, and it's basically his job to lose. Um, but much the theme, if you like, after Kenley Jansen, like, or up until Kenley Jansen, all those guys are going in the first five rounds. So, if you don't have a closer through five rounds, then you know you got some question marks. Duvall, Bednar. Holmes, um, 
you know, it gets sketchier and sketchier the more you go, especially in draft champions leagues. This is why I don't like to mess around with fading closers in draft champions because, you know, you just don't know. And um, fab leagues, you can get away with it because there's just all kinds of guys you can pick up throughout the course of the year. But you just don't For know sure. who's going to who's going to get those opportunities in when you're drafting in January and February, you know, for the whole season. So, um, yeah, uh, Clay Holmes, if I, I'm fine with him, I guess, as my second closer. Um, but I, I, I really don't want him as my first one. I do like a couple of these guys that are going a little bit later as well. So I don't have any Clay Holmes yet, but um, I was just kind of surprised at where he was going. I thought he'd go a little bit higher. For sure. Uh, next, Scott Barlow, um, ADP of 111, min of 88, max of 143. This is a huge, huge discrepancy here. Uh, this is the last month of drafts, 26 drafts. So min of 88, max of 143. That's a ton, a ton, of, that's a ton of picks. Yeah, that that 88 is brutal right there. He, yeah, yeah, that's way too early. Um, Scott Barlow is a fade for me. He He has been, even before real, this Chapman signed there. Um, I don't understand what Kansas City's doing. I mean, they had to have seen what the relief pitcher market, what everybody they were getting. Kansas City's not winning this next season. Why hasn't he been traded? It doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, you know, a lot of teams already have addressed their bullpens, so they're not really looking for, you know, the demand is probably every day that goes by, it's getting less and less. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts about Scott Barlow? Yeah, well, thankfully, the Royals got rid of Dayton Moore. So, and now you've seen the new regime take over and they're trading Michael Taylor, they're trading out of Puerto Mondesi. Barlow is not going to be on the Royals the entire season. He's just not going to be. Uh, so, to make this a lot shorter than Clay Holmes, I'm not drafting any Scott Barlow. I'm not coming close to drafting Scott Barlow. I think it's probably the worst pick you can make in the top 150 right now. Um, I just don't. I'm not even sure he's going to be the closer, A, because I think there's a reason why they signed Chapman, and it's to be the closer. And B, uh, he's just going to get dealt. Um, it's a new regime the Royals have, and I think they're going to you know, clean house of all these veterans. They're going to get rid of Dozier. They're going to get rid of Barlow. Uh, anything they can get for a vet, uh, they're going to do. And uh, same thing as Bednar. Why? Why, when you can get so much for a reliever uh, and you're going to be a 70 win team, but it just doesn't make any sense to hold them, um, hold a valuable reliever. Yeah. I, Scott Barlow, he's actually, I mean, he's a really good pitcher too. He should be able to get a nice return for him. Um, we did see his caper nine come down a little bit from 11.02 in 2021 to 9.32 last year. So we did see that come down quite a bit, but you know, he's still, he's a workhorse in the bullpen and, He's, uh, you know, he's a good pitcher. You should be able to get a really good return from him. But, yeah, I, complete fade for me because especially with Chapman there now, I mean, <laughs> I don't understand why um, anybody would still be drafting him uh, this early. But, obviously, you know, all these – basically all these drafts that were referenced in the ADP is all before that, that uh, signing. So um, I would expect him to kind of fall down the board. Uh, next, Daniel Bard. This is my guy last year. Uh, ADP 123, min of 101, max of 143. Again, another big discrepancy. Um, that max pick of 143 
congratulations to whoever that was. Um, got <laughs> a sure closer. Um, it is a little scary. I'll, I'll admit, you know, he's in Colorado, but we saw what he did last year. Um, obviously, I, uh, I think I had 20 shares of Bard last year, and they're all in the uh, 40s and or, uh, uh, Bard. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, I still like Bard this year. Um, I don't have much of him but I definitely like him. He's not going to be as good as last year, obviously. I mean, last year was an absurd year, um, but a lot of the, the, a lot of the stuff under the hood backs it up. XBA, again, if you like that, 178, XERA 2.49. Um, you know, he had his best uh, Woba, XWOBA, XWOBACON, all of it, XSLUG, like easily career year. Um, one thing he did do is he really changed his pitch mix. Uh, he threw a sinker last year, 52.2% of the time. Uh, that was up from 14.6 before. Um, and he still uh, threw his slider a good amount. So a sinker slider pitcher, he dropped the four-seam fastball from 339 to 2.8%. So you're seeing a lot more sinkers. And again, all of the all the underlying stats back it up. Can he repeat it? I don't know. Not obviously as good as he was last year, but I think he, I, again, they signed him for a two-year deal. So <laughs> if Colorado wasn't going to trade him last year, I don't know why they would, would trade him this year. Um, they should have traded him last year, but that's the Rockies <laughs> for you. And it was perfect for uh, our fantasy game because he remained the closer all year, and that was terrific. Where are you at with Scott or with uh, Daniel Bard? I liked the pitch mix change that he made. Obviously, when you're um, pitching in course, you need to get more ground balls, uh, and throwing a sinker is going to do that for him. I just can't draft a 38-year-old close from the Rockies. I just can't. Uh, that might be stupid and, like, caveman analysis, but I just can't I can't press draft on a 38-year-old closer for the Rockies. Um it's not going to be on any of my teams. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a horrible pick or anything. I just. I will not be able to physically do it. Um, it's sort of like Gregory. So he's my Gregory Soto of last year. Like yeah, Gregory Soto was the closer, and it was probably you probably wanted to rip your hair out every time you watched him. But he still got the saves. I just he wasn't going to be on any of my teams. It's just not going to happen. Um, Bart's obviously much better than Gregory Soto, but. I don't know. <laughs> it's not going to have him on a single team. Sorry. If I yeah. offend, any, offend anyone in the Bard family. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Uh, you know, Bard's, you know, 3.7 walk per nine is less than ideal for, uh, you know, <laughs> for a closer in Colorado. Closer in general, it's not good, but especially in Colorado, uh, only a 240 Babbitt. So we're going to see him come back to earth, but I still think that he's the guy in the bullpen that's going to get, you know, the majority of the saves. So if for whatever reason I don't have any closers, I'm okay with Bard as my one, but I got to, I'm taking a lot of shots then. Like I'm probably taking eight, nine specs after that, because you can't rely, you can't fully rely on a guy like Bard in my opinion. Yeah. Bard's at least, um, that's a perfect example. When I said, I wouldn't want Clay Holmes or Bednar as my RP1. Bard is a decent RP1 because he's probably going to get you 30 saves, um, even though you might want to rip your hair out. And, you know, in 2021, he had a five-yard and a 1-6 whip. So I don't think that's going to happen again because of the pitch mix changes. And that was his 
first full season pitching in a decade. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, I don't think that's going to happen again, but uh, the ratios could get ugly, but I mean, you draft closers to get saves and he's going to get saves. So it's definitely not nearly as bad as Rebecca like Scott Barlow. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, next off the board, Duran from uh, the twins. This guy uh, obviously is, an insane, insane pitcher. What a weapon in the bullpen. Um, if you look at a stat cast page, it's a lot, a lot of red. Uh, ADP of 126, mid of 98, max of 168. Again, just a huge discrepancy. 70 picks difference, 98 to 168. Um, my concern just with a lot of these guys is how many saves are you going to get? And Rocco Baldelli has shown that he – does not like to go with a set closer. So they still have Jorge Lopez there. And obviously Jorge Lopez struggled a little bit after the trade, after he got over to Minnesota. Um, Duran, they like to use him as the fireman. I just think that uh, there's just not going to be enough saves here. Um, he's another guy who throws, you know, over an, over an inning quite a bit. So um, what do you think about Duran? Um. I think he's a perfect second reliever if I if I'm getting him at a bit of a discount. I think if he falls to the 140s, 150s, like he has in a few drafts, I'd be okay getting him as my second reliever. Um if I got one of the studs up top. Um again, this might be a little bit uh sort of like wish casting, but I think he's going to get a lot, a lot more save opportunities next year. Um, they were using guys like Emilio Pagan, like Jorge Lopez, and they just had so many blown saves last year. They lost so many games in the ninth inning. And to just have, like, it's funny. A lot of teams use their best reliever in the ninth inning because the ninth inning, again, I've said it a few times, ninth inning is the hardest inning to pitch. Guys don't swing as often. Um, and it just makes it harder, you know, it's the most highest leverage situation. It's harder to pitch in the ninth inning. Um, and I just think it might not happen right away. It might not happen in May. I think at some point next year, Duran is going to be the full-time closer. Um, again, I, I might just be like projecting or, uh, you know, sort of uh, hoping for someone, something that isn't realistic because like you said, Baldelli, um, even though in years past he has used the set closer, um, he's shown that, uh, for whatever reason, he doesn't like uh, using, well, at least last year, at least, he didn't like using Duran as their closer. Um, he only had eight saves. Um, but he did have, again, this could mean absolutely nothing. He had two saves. Uh, his last five appearances were all one inning, and he had two saves uh, the last two weeks of the season. Um, again, could mean absolutely nothing. And, uh, but, uh, sorry, bit of a rant, but I think, uh, again, at some point next year, Duran is going to be the twins full-time closer in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess we'll see. Um, I do think that you made a great point. Um, if you have one of the guys up top getting Duran as your second closer, cause you know, you're going to get elite ratios. Um, and an elite K total from from a reliever. So 
and then yeah, some saves. It, I, obviously, you think he's going to have more than I do, but um, yeah, that, I think it's a great point. Like, let's say you got a class A, and then you, you get a Duran as your as your number two. Like that, that's that works perfect. Um, Alexis Diaz next off the board, ADP of one twenty seven, mid of ninety eight, max of one sixty five. Again, huge discrepancy. Uh, we saw him come on really strong uh, for Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati is another bullpen that is generally a good thing to avoid um, because they just don't ever go the set closer. But uh, what do you think about Diaz? Um, the one concern with me about uh, Diaz is um, I actually don't think the walk rate sh- it, the walk rate really shouldn't be uh, as bad as it is. His command really isn't that bad. Um, he was another guy who got a decent amount of saves down. He had four saves the last two weeks of the season. Um, I think he's sort of a blind spot for me. Um, I sort of faded him all fab fab season because the Reds just literally never use a set closer. Um, unless it, unless it was Rice Hall Iglesias. Um, so maybe they do because Alexis Diaz is really, really good. But it's um, it's too many red flags, I think, for me. Uh, the walk rate, the reds, just, you know, you never know what they're going to do. And on top of that, that ballpark is just god-awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of a barred situation where the ratio get, could get really ugly. Um, I guess if he was more of like a short thing for saves, I don't know. It's really it, it's so hard for me to predict saves. That, like they're so hard to predict once you get. And obviously, the lesson you should learn from listening to this episode is that grabbing one of the guys at the top that you know you're getting thirty plus saves for if they stay healthy is yeah. those guys are so valuable because you you really can't just go back to last year. If you write down on a piece of paper, like say you have your desk where you do all your fantasy baseball stuff, that write down a piece of paper and try to guess the saves for all the guys going after. Like from reliever, from RP, like 10 to 30. Try to guess all those guys' saves and then look at it at the end of the year. Like you're going to be wrong on so many guys. Um, mm-hmm. Like this whole middle, it's so hard to predict and relievers are so fickle year to year that I'm just going to fade almost all of these guys except for the like Duran who I just love because he's so freaking good. And again, I think he's just going to be the full-time closer eventually. Um and Clay Holmes, like I'll have a few guys that I like gravitate towards. And again, I could be totally wrong. Durant could get 10 saves next year and Alexis Diaz could get 27. Like who knows? I, th- I think you kind of just have to, I think you have to pick a couple guys in this range. And I, I again, this is my opinion. I might be totally wrong. I think you got to pick a couple guys in this range and just take them a bunch. I think if you're going to have like one share of Barlow, two shares of Bednar, a couple shares of uh, Clay Holmes, a couple shares of Diaz, a couple shares of Durant. I don't think that really works. I think you need to like do your research, deep dive, and try to pick like two guys you think are mispriced in this range and just draft them a ton. Um, because, again, the, uh, the volatility in the amount of saves that these guys get is just ridiculous. I would rather draft a bunch of one guy who I think is mispriced, nail that pick, and that's sort of like a mid-round reliever that um, I have everywhere that ends up playing up to be a top, you know, five, six-round reliever. 
Um, what are your thoughts on that? Sorry, I know it went on for a bit, but. Yeah, no, I like that. But again, uh, you know, right at the beginning of what you were saying, this is exactly 100% why I take one of the sure closers in DCs. You don't have to in Fab Leagues. Like, you could wait in Fab Leagues and take a lot of these guys down here that we're talking about with, uh, you know, what if you go Bard, Duran, Diaz? What if you go with three guys in a Fab League? You know, you hope two of them work out. If only one works out, it's fine because you got the rest of the season. You can pick up guys. I wouldn't do that in a DC. Um, I just like to get that sure thing in a DC. Um, one thing about Diaz, uh, there, there's a couple, actually there's a bunch of things about Diaz that are very interesting. He could come out, be the closer next year, save 30 games, elite ratios, high Ks. And we could all be like, oh yeah, well, of course he did. You know, it, there's a lot of evidence to back that up, but there's also 4.7 walk per nine, 192 Babbitt last year. He's a severe fly ball pitcher, 0.65 ground balls to fly balls. And it's that park <laughs> and the team isn't great. So there's a lot of red flags. Like you were saying, there's also just so much, <laughs> so much good stuff to look at here. Swinging straight to lead caper nines, elite, um, you know, the, the surface stats are fantastic. And then, you know, the guys that he's also competing with in the bullpen, they're, they're coming off some pretty serious injuries, TJ Antone, Lucas Sims. So it's, he's really, really tough. I don't have any shares. Um, I probably should at least get one. I think I know you're saying you should load up on a lot, but um, I do see a path to a ton of success for him. So maybe I do get one or so, but uh, yeah, he's really, really tough to, to predict. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to imagine he's going to lead the Reds in saves, right? I mean, uh, I would think that's pretty close to a lock. Um, I guess I just sort of like, uh, like Duran more. So that's why I won't have much Diaz. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, like I said, I, I'm going to have a few guys that I draft a ton of in the middle rounds, or I might draft none of them. I don't know. I might just fade this entire like uncertain rage completely and just go one or two up top of the guys I really like and then just take 30 plus round specs. Um, I think that is a viable strategy. Um, yeah, I agree. That's uh, it. it it's kind of like the flow of the draft. Like, how is your draft looking? Like, are the closers being pushed up? Like, are the middle guys being pushed up? Or if if there's a bunch of the guys that are still there and you're picking, you can you be like, ah, oh, I could wait another round or two, you know, and you could still get one of these guys that they're closer to the max pick. Again, like the ranges on these guys, the men to the max. Every league is different. So if your league is, you know, everybody's taking other positions, then just you know, keep doing that. Keep taking those other positions as well. Just make sure you don't miss out on the run if you do want one of these guys. Because I think once a couple of them start going, I think you're going to see them all like kind of get going because everybody will start panicking a little bit. But uh, yeah, um, a couple more guys to just close it out. Andres Munoz, uh, Jose Leclerc, Pete Fairbanks. Andres Munoz obviously has just insane, nasty stuff. Uh, 147 ADP, men of 114, max of 172. Um, again, it's a, it's how many saves are you going to get? You got Paul Seawald there. Um, you know, that Mariners bullpen is really, really good. What are your thoughts about Munoz? So it's funny. Um, everyone like loves Munoz and he has this crazy, like uh, really good stuff and strikes a ton of guys out, but Paul Seawald is just as good. Uh, I know mm -hmm. people like wouldn't expect that, but he, he's just as good, if not better. Uh, his stuff is 
His stuffed metrics are better at least. Um, and I think if I had to choose between the two, I'm just going to take Seawald because he goes 40 picks later. And I think he's going to get just as much save, if not more, and he's just as good. Um, so that's how I'm attacking that bullpen at least. Um, I get paying up for Munoz. He's like, if you were looking at all these guys from like pick 100 to 200, be like, oh, who's the guy that's most likely going to jump into the top three to four rounds in 2024? I'd probably say it's Duran and Munoz. So I get why Munoz is going 40 picks higher. I just, um, I'm not going to have any shares because, again, I think Seawalt is just as good of a bet to get the 20 or so saves. Yeah, it's really all it comes down to is the saves. Um, you know, Munoz, just like Duran, they have an argument for the best relief pitcher in baseball. So uh, it's just a matter of getting the saves. I mean, that's our, you know, that's saves is one of our categories. It's incredibly tough to predict when you're outside of the, the top rounds, like we said. Um, but I think you're going to get elite ratios, elite strikeout numbers. And he's gonna be he's gonna get some saves. How many? We don't know. He could get 10, he could get 20. Uh, you just don't know. And that's always scary to play with, in my opinion. Um, this would be a great pick in a fab league because if he is getting the saves, great. If he's not, okay, now you need to dip into the fab pool and you know try to get that category. But he's gonna be um elite in the ratios. Uh Leclerc, Leclerc's kind of a fade for me. Um, I just have a lot of concerns about the control. We've seen him lose the job multiple times. Um, it's just a very shaky situation there in Texas. What are your thoughts about Leclerc? Yeah, I have a few concerns with Leclerc. Um, like you said, he is, he's had the job uh, several times, and he's lost the job several times. Um, I get that he was coming back from Tommy John, and command generally takes um, a while to get back when you're coming back from Tommy John. So I, I wouldn't expect it to come back. Um, you know, he pitched for, I don't know, he pitched like half a season about, a little over half a season. Um, his fastball just got fucking pummeled last year. Uh, a 580 slugging against. Um, and it wasn't bad luck or anything. Um, he, he generally has a good fastball in the past. So again, that might just be like, Tommy John, um, and his command was just poor. But um, his command has always been pretty bad. And again, it's sort of just going back to uh, he, he's lost a job in the past. Um, the stuff is obviously good. Um, you know, in 2018 and 2019, he was ridiculously good. But um, can he throw enough strikes to be a closer? Uh, I'm not really sure. And again, this, he could run away with the closer job. Uh, he, he has the stuff if he's able to regain the fastball command that he showed uh, previously. He could run away with the job. I just, again, I think um, it's a lot of risk with a guy that has a 14% a walk rate for his career. Um, it's pretty scary. Yeah, the, the Rangers bullpen is going to be a pretty much a void for me. Um, I actually thought Joe Barlow was doing fine last year, and they removed him out of the role. So, <laughs> uh, so it's just everybody. I'm going to fade them all. I don't want to have anything to do with any of them. Um, so yeah, that's that's really all I got for the clerk. Uh, last guy we'll talk about before we kind of get into a couple guys that we like that are going later. But Pete Fairbanks, 
Um, this is kind of another situation where I don't know how many saves he's going to get. It's the Rays. I generally try to avoid the Rays. Um, so Pete Furbanks, while he is insanely good, one one three ERA last year, 0.67 WHIP, did get uh, you know a good amount of uh, saves down the stretch, but um, he's I'm gonna I'm out on him. What are your thoughts? I think I'd actually be in on him. If I had some kind of damn update, I can't, I look like once a week for a Pete Fairbanks injury update and I've gotten nothing. So, I mean, that general, that is a safe assumption that he's probably healthy. Cause like, why, why wouldn't they say anything if he was actually injured? But it was just weird to me that, um, he, he lost, uh, he lost a feeling in his finger. Um, that's generally like a precursor to Tommy John, but Again, that happened in October, and it's January 25th, so I think we would have gotten some kind of update um, mm-hmm. if he was actually injured. So uh, even though it seems like a stupid reason to not draft someone, I just haven't drafted him yet because of that. So once I see he's throwing in spring training and stuff, I think I'm going to start drafting Pete Fairbanks because um, he's, at least last season, He's in that Edwin Diaz and Manuel Classe class of reliever. And even though the Rays do their stupid Ray thing, he did get a decent amount of saves in the time that he was healthy. And um, I don't know. I just think he uh, he could be a 20-save like monster um, and just have ridiculous ratios with awesome strikeouts. Um healthy again which he probably is i'm just being neurotic about it yeah yeah there's no doubt in his his skills that's for sure um again it's just the saves for me so i'm probably gonna be out but you know you never know where he's gonna fall i mean his min pick is 159 but his max is 255 so almost 100 picks later so at 255 yeah okay i'm probably in at that price but uh you just never know where he's gonna go in your drafts um sure. yeah just just a couple other guys that i that i kind of like um dylan floro i have a ton of shares of dylan floro i think he's going to be the closer um at least to start the year for uh the marlins so i, I you know i got quite a bit of him um carlos estevez you know i think he's going to be the closer for the angels um chapman i just took a share of chapman my first share um, I'm not sure how much more Chapman I'm going to get, but I think he will get the majority of the saves with Kansas City. Um, and Jeremiah Estrada is like a super late DC pick uh, for the Cubs. So you got anybody that you're uh, kind of eyeing up? Yeah, I'll say one guy I'm in on and one guy I'm fading in the middle rounds. Um, huge, huge fade on Alex Lang. Um, he just does not have the command to be a closer. Um, and it's not like we're not talking about like how how Clay Holmes and um, who was it? Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm blanking. But we talked about Clay Holmes and another pitcher having poor command in the second half of the season. Alex Lang is like worse than that. Like he has absolutely no idea where the ball is going. And again, for the fifth time in this pod, I'm going to say it again: the ninth inning is the hardest inning to pitch because batters don't swing as much. It's the most important outs. Uh, you know, they're being careful. They're being more selective with pitches. That's generally why closers do walk more uh, batters because uh, batters are being more selective. 
And someone who has as atrocious of command as Alex Lang, I just don't think he could be a closer for an entire season. I don't I don't see that happening. Um, and a guy I really like, you touched on already, Carlos Estevez. I think uh, that Angels bullpen stinks. <laughs> they don't really have any other – like Jimmy Hergett is more of like a Taylor Rogers type of pitcher. Like he's a funky sidearm guy. He's not a closer. Um, and they have a couple other guys with decent stuff. And But Estevez, in my opinion, has like closer written all over him. And um, I'm smashing that ADP of 250. He's like the – he's the ideal RP2 for me. If I get a Ryan Presley, a Glacius – uh, Jansen, I want Estevez as my RP2, and then I'll spec super late the rest of the guys, and I think I have two really solid closers if I do that. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. That's uh, part of my strategy that, that I like to do in DCs. Um, I started doing it last year for uh, pretty much all of my teams, but you take a big-time closer early, and then you just – I kind of – like this year it's been Floro. I've been taking a lot of him as my RP2, and then – I take a lot of these guys later um, that, you know, that I kind of mentioned Dylan Coleman, kind of another guy uh, for your squad. If I, if they mm-hmm. trade Barlow, like they should. And I have a this Chapman. I want to make sure that I get Dylan Coleman as well, because if they trade uh, Chapman at the deadline, then I think Coleman takes over. So you kind of lock in that Kansas city closer role. Um, for the whole season, I did in one draft uh, take Mark Melanson and Kevin Ginkle because I was kind of talking with you a little bit. I think Mark Melanson starts with the role. Um, he actually finished the season last year pretty solid, and he started the season last year pretty solid. So it's just the four months in the middle. He was not obviously terrible. Um, so he's going to if he does start with a role, he is going to lose it for sure. I think he does lose it to <laughs> Kevin Ginkle. So. Yeah, Melanson. It's funny he fucking sucks, but they're they're paying him, so he's gonna get a few saves in the beginning of the year. You just gotta hope that uh, he isn't god awful. But it's really the price for me, right? He's going so so late that like, you know, I'll take 10, 12 saves from a, a pick that late. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he's most likely my like five five twenty five ADP in January. It's crazy. Like, uh, sure, I'll take that. Yeah, if he's like, if he's like your third, fourth closer, like you just put him in there for the, you know, get a handful of saves and then get him out. Like, you don't need to put him in there again unless you're falling behind and save somehow. But um, yeah, that's why I take Ginkle with him. Uh, because I think he loses it to Kevin Ginkle. Now, if he loses it to somebody else, it's not the end of the world because you're not spending very high picks on these guys. So, um, you know, it's more the risk is, I'm sorry, the the upside just farly, you know, outweighs the risk in my opinion. So, um, but yeah, I think that should do it. Do you have anything else to add with the closers? No, no, I think we uh, touched on everything. Yeah, we actually ran a little bit longer than I thought we would, but um, I guess we had a lot of things to say about closers. So um, Friday, upcoming this Friday, uh, we have our rivalry night back, second edition with Dodgers and Giants with Vlad Sudler and Justin Mason coming on. So um, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. I love these uh, Friday night, you know, rivalry nights that we're doing. So I like to, you know, ask them, you know, how they became fans and stuff like that. It's uh, kind of stuff is interesting, interesting to me. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, that should do it. And we will see everybody next time.
Thank you for once again tuning into another episode. Ryan and I really appreciate the support. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Pile of Dial. Ryan is at Ven underscore Armbarn. In the words of the legendary Lil Wayne, I like people who enjoy life because I do the same. Peace.